0: So today, we are uh, continuing our series that we've been in for the last several weeks on Forgotten Virtues. And today, the one that we're going to be talking about is um, one of the most uh, important ones uh, to me personally, and I also believe it is one of the most important ones to God. And that is the Forgotten Virtue of Integrity. Now, it's pretty tragic that we live in a society and a culture today that is more surprised, more shocked by somebody actually showing integrity in a situation than they are with somebody not, right? If somebody accidentally hands you more change at the gas station and you get out to your car and you're looking, oh man, they gave me too much, and you go back in and actually give them the money back, has that ever happened to you? If not, you're the person that actually just took off with the money and didn't, and didn't take it back, but no, you take it in, right? And they're shocked by that. Because they, they assume, well, you would just most people would just take it. And so we see that we live in a time that people um, portray themselves one way to the world. And they may stand for something great and they may communicate some great message. And then all of a sudden we find out they're actually nothing like that they let on to be. And so what is integrity? Here's a simple definition. It's when your behavior matches your beliefs. When your behavior matches your beliefs. Uh, Integrity is when what you say lines up with what you actually do. It's when your private life matches your public life. Someone said integrity is what you do when no one else is looking. Right? Now it's different than your reputation. Your reputation is what other people think about you. Integrity is, uh, or lack of integrity, is who you really are. So people might have a great reputation, but behind closed doors they don't really have integrity. Or people may have a lot of integrity, but for some reason people make up stuff and they have a not so good reputation, so they're different. Uh, Proverbs 13.3 that we just looked at a few minutes ago during the children's time, but If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there real quick. We're going to look at this verse again. Proverbs 11.3. It says, The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. Integrity is going to guide the upright. But the transgressors, the, the, the crooked, the ones that are walking treacherous lives are going to be destroyed. And wouldn't you say that today so many segments of our society are being destroyed by the duplicity of leaders or organizations that claim one thing and yet do something else. It's tragic when more people are surprised by somebody actually having integrity than by the lack of it. One of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is a character named Samuel. And you can read the story in 1 Samuel chapter 12, but I'm just going to summarize it here. Um, and I love this. And this is what we should all strive for at the end of our life that we want our life to be, be, to be able to say this. I want my children, grandchildren, to be able to say what Samuel did at the end of his life. And basically, at the end of his life, he stood before the community, and Samuel was a prophet in the Old Testament and a, and a leader. But at the end of his life, he stands before the community and he says, basically, I've lived a life of integrity. And if I've wronged any of you, tell me what I did wrong according to what I said I would do. So if I've done something that I said I would do or didn't do something I said I would do, now's your chance. What did I do? He asks the community this. And the community looks on and says, no, you've done the right thing. You're a man of integrity. You're a faithful man of God. And so can you imagine that? End of his life, he's like, free shot, anybody. You can, you can, here's the chance. You can say, you can point out my flaws. And at the end, the community says, well, you're a pretty upright guy. You're a man of integrity. And at the end of my ministry and career, at the end of my life, I would love to be able to stand up and say, free shot. What did I not do that I claimed to do? And vice versa. And people to say, Did did I live a perfect life? Well, of course not. Did Samuel? No, only one has lived a perfect life. Jesus did the same thing at the end of his life, right? He said, if I've done any sin, now's your chance. What did I do? And nobody could say a word about him. So let's look at a picture of someone who's actually living a life of uh, integrity. And it's in Psalm 15. This whole psalm is basically describing to us how we're supposed to live and, and what God's desire is for us Uh, In regards to this virtue. So we're just going to read through this uh, psalm. And point out some things here. That David says. In verse 1. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness. And speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue. Nor does evil to his neighbor nor takes up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a reprobate is despised but who honors those who fear the Lord he swears to his own hurt and does not change he does not put out his money at interest nor does he take a bribe against the innocent he who does these things will never be shaken so this is an incredible psalm Uh, David asks the question at the beginning of this psalm. He says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Or another translation may say, Who can dwell in the sanctuary of the Lord? And the question David's asking is, Who can come into God's presence? Right? Who's going to be able to stand there? Who's going to be close and near to God? And then in the psalm, he describes the kind of person that's going to be standing there. He who walks with integrity and works righteousness... Who does not slander with his tongue. Who's not taking a reproach against his friend. Who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt. In other words, he's going to take the loss. And does not change. He who puts his money, who does not put his money at interest. He's not trying to, somebody who's not trying to rip somebody off. Or take a bribe against the innocent. Describing a person ...who lives like this, and at the end of this psalm, here's the promise that God makes to somebody who lives this kind of life. He says, he who does these things will never be shaken. Will never be shaken. If you live a life of integrity according to your beliefs um, and the teachings of God... ...if you follow this word, if you are a person of your word, then the Bible gives us this promise that your life is not going to be shaken... You will never be shaken. You will stand firm in the trials. You will be able to handle the things that come along throughout life. And so I'm going to share four benefits of living a life of integrity. Uh, The first one is this. You can walk closely with God. It's the first promise. David asked the question, who's going to be able to stand in the sanctuary of the Lord? Those who walk in integrity. If you live a life of integrity, you are going to be able to walk close." with God and have ongoing fellowship with him. Now here's where I want us to understand a little bit of a, uh, of a paradox here. Um, because what we're not talking about today or through this whole series is just to have um, better behavior. We're not talking about just reforming outward behavior and that's it. We're not talking about if we do these things and we, if, we, if we clean ourselves up really good and if we stop doing all this and all that and we, and we start living a moral life, now all of a sudden we've we've somehow merited ourselves to God and we've somehow made our righteous deeds. Now here I am, God. Now you're going to receive me because look how good I am. That's not what we're talking about. But on the flip side, and this is why the Bible is often talks about things in a, in a paradox in a sense, our deeds and our actions and our behaviors do matter. They are important. They're not... Christianity is not a religion of, well, it's just grace, and you're saved by nothing of yourself, and so therefore you can go and do whatever you want, be however you want, and that God actually has no standard for your life. That's not what the Bible teaches. So how does this fit together? Uh, Our behavior and deeds matter in relation to our fellowship and intimacy with God. Okay, and so think about it just for a minute. Do other people's behavior and actions affect Your relationship with them. Of course. And yours do to them as well. Even your own children, right? Are there times, parents, if you're being honest, that you're just not very uh, pleased with your kids at the moment? You actually don't even really like them at that moment. You're irritated and frustrated with them. That does not affect your love for them. It does not affect their worth. It doesn't affect their standing with, with you. They're still your child, But if they're out acting like a monster for three hours straight, that's going to have an effect on your fellowship with them, your relationship with them. You're not able to enjoy one another. And that's also true for us with God. Our sin, our rebellion, our unbelief, our lack of integrity, those kind of things, our behavior, if we're walking in sin, it's going to affect our fellowship and relationship with God. We're not going to be as close to him as we should be. And he invites us to come back to him, of course. But our actions do matter. And so it doesn't change our worth. It doesn't mean God loves you less. And the more righteous you are doesn't mean he loves you anymore. But there is a nearness to God that we can have by the way we live our life. And God wants us to live a holy life of integrity for a lot of reasons. But one of the main reasons he wants us to live certain ways and he tells us to do certain things is it's actually for our benefit. And also for the benefit of others. Because nobody in the room wants to be friends or have a deep relationship with a person who lacks integrity. Who can't trust them. They don't know what they're, if they say what they, they say, they're not sure they're going to follow through with it. Nobody really wants a, to be around a person like that. And we certainly don't want to be those kind of people. And so you have to decide. You get to decide. All of us get to decide how close to God we want to be. We can get as close to God as we want to be. He invites us, the gates open, the doors open through Jesus Christ, and we can come into that gate and come into that door and be as close to God as as you and I want to be. Uh, The second one is this. You will have a built-in guide. As we looked at in Proverbs 11, the Bible says the integrity of the upright will guide him. If we follow the Word, if we follow the Spirit, if we follow our conscience... We're going to know what's right and wrong, and we don't live in a gray area. We live in the the will of God. We know what his word is. We know what his truth is, and we begin to walk in it. And that allows us, and that acts as a guide in our life. Because, hey, if this way leads me away from honesty, away from integrity, I know not to go that way. But I know this is what the word of God says. I know this is what the spirit of God wants me to do. And so now I know that I need to walk this way. And we act according to these These laws and and these commands and and our conscience that God has given us. So integrity acts as a guide in our life. It's the the lanes that we walk in. God tells us where to walk and how to walk. The path is narrow and he'll guide us. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And so integrity acts as a guide in our life if we'll follow it. Third thing integrity does is you'll have a constant peace in your heart. A constant peace in your heart. When you put your head on a pillow at night, you don't have to worry about, I wonder if someone's gonna find out. I wonder if I'm gonna get caught. What if my boss finds out this? I could lose my job. What if, what if uh, uh, my wife finds out about, about this thing I've been doing? What if, what if uh, you know I get caught and I, I get discovered and, and, and oh man, you go to bed worrying and you constantly have this nagging guilt that, that the Holy Spirit's trying to convict you of so that you would repent and get right with God? When you walk in integrity you have peace in your life nobody goes to sleep at night and worries about man i hope no one finds out that i did the right thing yesterday man you know if everybody knows that i'm just an honest person man that's really going to it's going to be terrible for my life nobody thinks like that nobody worries about that the fourth thing it does and this is huge you gain trust respect honor and influence if you're a person of integrity, you are going to gain trust and respect and honor and influence with people. When you live a life of integrity, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to seep into the people in your, in your influence, that you influence. Your children are going to see that lived out. You want, to, you want children that are going to walk in integrity? Be a parent of integrity. You want to be a great leader of your family? Be a person of integrity. You want to influence people in, in business? Be a person of your word have integrity. You know, a little little side thing here. Um, Many of you know uh, my friend Mike, he runs a business, and the name of that business is Integrity Fence. So now, if you're going to put that as a name of your business, right, and you're going to advertise yourself as that, you better back it up, right? You better be able to deliver on that promise, And, you know, people make comments. I worked with Mike this last year and and have done a lot of jobs with him. And people say, you know, integrity, does that even exist today? Because, again, people are shocked by it. But I can tell you, man, Mike backs it up 100%. When we build a fence, he builds the most perfect fence. And every fence he builds is like it's his first fence he's ever built. You know, after a while, after you've done something for so long, you tend to get lazy with it and slack, you know, and cut corners and stuff. That's what typically happens. We've all worked with contractors. We've all had those people show up and taken our car to a mechanic only to not have it fixed. And then you go back and you're like, you didn't fix it. And they are like, well, it's probably because it was a different thing now. And it's like, so you fixed the wrong thing the first time? Like, what are we talking about here? Fix my car. I'm not gonna pay you twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? But my point is this. With Mike, every fence is perfect. Every fence has integrity. Even if it costs him money, And even if it costs him time, he'll lose the money and he'll lose the time before he loses the integrity on the job. And he doesn't have to advertise. His phone's blowing up every day all summer long for fences. He turns down probably more work than he actually does because of what? Word of mouth. Man, you got to have this guy build your fence. You got to have this guy build your fence. He does the best job. He does the best job. That's the kind of life we want to live in every area of our life. Not just business, not just home, but every area of our life. We wanna be somebody of integrity because even if nobody else sees it, God sees it. And he tells us to do everything as unto the Lord, right? Even building fences, yeah. Build that fence for God, the best fence you can build or whatever it is that you do. If you're a teacher, be the best teacher you can be for those kids, whatever it is that you do. Mom, be the best mom. It gives us influence in our community. People are drawn towards people that have integrity, people that they can trust, people that they can can follow. The challenge is, though, so many people aren't, right? That's the problem. So many people don't have integrity. So many people lack integrity. This is a hard one for us to live up to, and, and here's why. What would you say is the opposite of integrity? I'll help you out. It's what non-Christians often say about Christians. Oh, Christians, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Bunch of hypocrites. That's really the opposite of integrity. It's a hypocrite. And the and that word, the Greek word you probably know, that's translated as hypocrite, is it means an actor. That's what the word means. It means somebody who's like playing a part. It's an actor. And you've probably seen those uh those plays, those Kind of silly plays where they would act and they would have like a mask on a stick, you know. And they'd, they'd have it on and they'd switch it and so forth. That's basically what it is. It's somebody who's putting on a mask. Being somebody else. Not actually representing to others who they really are. It's pretending to be something you're not. And, and we all do it. We all do it at different times in our life, in different scenarios, different seasons, different whatever. We all often lack integrity because we walk in hypocrisy at different times. And those things are hard to see in ourselves, right? It's easy to see in other people, right? (laughs) It's super easy to point out other people's hypocrisy or or lack of integrity. But when it comes to us, sometimes we have blind spots to ourselves. Uh, Here's an example of how Jesus responded to people who lacked integrity. Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 25. He says, woe to you. Now, listen, when Jesus starts off with woe, you're in big trouble, all right? So if Jesus shows up at your house some night or comes to you in a dream and he starts off with woe, Buckle up, you're in trouble, okay? So it's not a good way to start the conversation. Jesus comes to them, "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! "'For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, "'but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence, "'you blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and the dish, "'so that the outside of it may become clean also.'" Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Yeah, man. You're standing there, taking that from Jesus. You were one of the religious leaders of the time, supposedly the most righteous uh, people in the, in the religion of the day, in Judaism. These are the guys that memorize the first five books of the Bible word for word. They know the law. They, they're, the, they're the high society kind of people. And now Jesus comes along, and this is his message to them. And if you notice in the Gospels, what Jesus rebukes more than anything to his followers is unbelief, and what he rebukes those who are false is there hypocrisy? More than prostitution, more than adultery, more than theft, more than any other sin, Those two sins are what makes Jesus the most upset: unbelief and hypocrisy. And he doesn't hold, hold anything back here. He calls them out. He says, "You're clean the outside of the cup, but inside it's filthy and it's dirty. You're playing an actor outwardly you're righteous, outwardly you're in the streets saying your prayers to be seen of men and giving money in the, in the offering and wearing your outfits and doing your stuff and you're, you're putting burdens on people that you yourselves aren't even living up to. He says that at another place in the, in the Gospels. He's saying, look, you're putting, you're putting stuff on them that you aren't even living, living up to, yourself. You're full of robbery and self-indulgence. It's what they were doing. They were taking money at the temple. They were doing all these things. That's why Jesus is flipping the tables over. This makes God furious. He hates it. It's a big deal. But it's so easy to do, isn't it? I mean, being honest, it's easy to do this. It's easy just to put on the little mask and, and play the game when the inside of the cup is just so filthy before God. So I want you to think about this for a second. Let me ask you this this question, and don't you do know, don't give your response, but just think about it in your mind and of, of what you believe. And I want you to I want you to look at what your life says. How would your actions? How would your behavior answer this question? What is your integrity worth? What is your integrity worth? And don't say, "Oh, yeah, it's worth everything. It's worth everything to me. It's it's the most important thing." I mean, but how would your actions, your behavior, answer that question? What's it really worth? For example, let's say you lie on a resume. You go in, new job. You, you hate your current job. You got an opportunity for a new one. You're filling out the resume, and then there's a question that comes up, and you and you lie on that resume to get that job. That's what your integrity is worth. Your integrity is worth getting a better job. Unfortunately, because of my past, every time I have to fill out an application, there's that one question that I hate. Have you ever been arrested before? And I've, I've thought this through. I've thought, well, you know, I was technically, but I mean, I didn't really get in really big trouble. So I mean, do I, how far back are we talking? I mean, this was like, I was like 17, you know? I mean, isn't there like a 20-year limit? After 20 years, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, what are we talking about? Um, So, uh, you know, and I've had that thought. Do I, I don't want to get into explaining all this. You know, they're going to say, well, what were you arrested for? And blah, blah, blah. And then I got to go into, you know, the eight times I was arrested for stupid stuff, (laughs) you know, and all that. Or am I just going to be honest? Am I going to say, yes, I was. And if they ask me, here's what I did I was arrested for stealing. I was arrested for drug possession. I was arrested for underage drinking. I was arrested for all these different things um, before I was a Christian. Before I was even 18 years old. So most employers, guess what? They pull a record on me. They're not going to find any of that. Unless you like really look and dig and dig. But what's your integrity worth? Is it just worth getting a better job? Uh, What what about uh, maybe you just take a, thing of paper from work they got tons of paper you take one home for your own personal computer that's what your integrity's worth maybe it's exaggerating a story or even just lying about something just so you can be liked a little bit more so you can just fit in a little bit more with that group that's what your integrity's worth there's a story of a man in the old testament named job and if you were to ask him what is your integrity worth he would have said it's worth more than my life. It's worth more than my life. Now, if you know the story of Job, um, Job was a righteous man. It says he was upright. And there was a, this is such a strange story, really. Um, God is in heaven. Things are happening. All of a sudden, the devil appears in heaven and they're just talking about stuff. He's coming before God and they're talking. And God suggests Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him in the earth. He's upright in all these ways, and then Satan says, yeah, well, that's just because of this and this and this. It's because you bless him. It's because you got protection around him. It's because of all these things. But look, you take that away from Job, then he's gonna curse you to your face. He doesn't actually have integrity. It's only based on the circumstances of his life. If you really put the fire to him, he'll cave. So God says, okay, let's see, you can do this, you can't kill him, you can do this, but, and so on, and, and Job loses everything. His family, even his kids die, I mean, it's a crazy story. His health, even his own wife is like, just curse God and die, Job. Then his friends come around, and they sit around, and they basically say all kinds of nonsense to him for days and days, and they're just going back and forth, and their whole point is basically questioning Job's integrity. That look at all this stuff that's happened to you, Job. It must be because you're a wicked sinner. It's got to be your fault. I mean, look how many bad things have happened one after another. Have you ever felt like that in your life? God, am I being punished right now? Is this because of something I did? So let's look at a really awesome verse that Job responds with in verse uh, chapter twenty-seven, verse five to six. He says, Far be it from me that I should declare you right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. I hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. My heart does not reproach any of my days. So basically, what Job says here is he's saying, I'm not going to declare you guys right about your assessment of me. You're wrong. Then he says, till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. My integrity is worth more to me than my life. And I'm going to hold my righteousness, and I will not let it go. My heart does not reproach any of my days. I don't have regrets of how I've lived. He's a man of integrity. That's what his integrity is worth to him. It's worth everything to him. So what is yours worth to you? So what do you do when you realize that you don't have integrity or that you're lacking integrity in a certain um, area or, or there's a weakness in some specific area and, and you keep stumbling and falling in that and, and you're just lacking integrity in that. What, what do you do? Because this happens all the time, doesn't it? I mean, we see somebody who we think is such a great person, only discover they're abusing their wife. A great teacher, come to find out they have a problem with alcohol. They're an alcoholic. A businessman, he's really wealthy, he's really influential in the community. Uh, come to find out, he's, they're actually just ripping people off, stealing from people. I, I think it was a couple years ago, there was like a congressman or something. I can't remember who, the guy's name. But he won, you know, and he had all these ads and stuff. You see it during election seasons and how he's gonna do this and that. And come to find out, you probably know who I'm talking about when I say it, but anyway, there was an article that came out. Oh, a corrupt politician, there's a big surprise, right? But, you know, he was stealing money from like gas reimbursements or something something weird something stupid the guy's making like six figures easy a year getting all his stuff paid for and he's stealing ripping off the state with like reimbursement receipts and end up being like tens of thousands of dollars this was a congressman i think it was just a couple years ago a young guy and i read that thinking what come on man All his ads, Mister, Mister, you know, on the ads, he's he's this and that, and saying all this stuff, and he's he's stealing gas reimbursement receipts, thousands of dollars. So we see this all the time, and it makes us not be able to trust people. Makes us think, what's the point? You know, we start getting real negative about things. First thing you need to do anytime you come to a point in your life when you realize. You're falling short of where God wants you to be, is repent. We need to repent. And repent doesn't just mean I feel bad. Repent doesn't mean I just say I'm sorry. Repent means that we come before God and we agree with Him about why what we've done is sinful and wrong. About the condition of our heart and we come to God and we confess to Him, God, I am a hypocrite in this area. I'm lacking integrity. Maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because of worry. Maybe it's because of, you know, you want to look a certain way in front of somebody. Maybe it's going to cost you a lot if you get found out. Whatever it is. And we repent of that sin before God. We go to his word. We get his truth in our heart, in our mind. And we don't just simply believe it intellectually, but we believe it in our heart. And we allow it to change our will. We allow it to change our desires. We allow it to guide us. And we let the Holy Spirit... Empower us to live a righteous, holy life because listen, you and I are not going to be able to do this by our own willpower by just picking ourselves up by our bootstraps and deciding tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to go from being this dishonest, unloyal person to being Mr. Righteous overnight. You need the righteousness of Christ to be able to do that. So, we're not just talking about re- reforming behavior. We're talking about supernatural, transformative power that only can come through the Spirit of God with faith and trust in Him. Belief, and that's a big word, that word faith and belief. It it's encapsulates a lot of different things. It's trusting God. It's also committing to ourselves being faithful to Him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We, there's an obedience factor to, to real genuine faith. And we begin to walk this thing out. Last verse as we get ready to close this morning. I love this verse, and I, I try really hard to live my life by it, by this principle. It sounds so easy on the surface, but it, is, it ends up becoming very, very difficult for a lot of people. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. if we can begin to start with just this principle alone and begin to let this really guide our life, it'll help us tremendously be able to live a life of more integrity in other areas. Jesus says this, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Any statement, let your word be yes or no. That's hard. <laughs> Seems really simple, doesn't it? I, you read, the, you, oh, psh, check, I got that one whooped. Do you? Really? Honestly? Think about it for a minute. How many times have you said something you would do and you didn't do it? You didn't follow through with it. Maybe it was something little and we you can justify this a thousand ways, right? Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. Ah, no, forget it. Last minute. I'm not going to go. And we kind of think, eh, it's not a big deal. But there was a time in our society and in a lot of cultures today that your word meant everything. Business deals were done with your word. I mean, if you gave somebody your word and you didn't follow through with it, not only would it mess up your reputation, it would mess up your entire family's reputation, your whole, your, everybody would, oh, that's the guy that doesn't, you can't trust him. There was an honor culture that we've gotten so far away from in America. And in a lot of cultures today, they still operate that way. It's very much an honor culture. And they're not going to compromise their honor because it means everything. Here, we just, no, we don't care, you know. I, I know I said this, but I, I didn't do it. You know, there's, there's people that you, you can trust that you know that if they say, I'll be there, you know, apart from an actual real tragedy or emergency, they're gonna be there. And there's also a lot of people you know that as soon as you ask them, you have this thought go through your mind. Nah, they're not gonna come, right? We all have those kind of people. And so today, let us not be that person. Let us be the person that somebody says, no, they said they'll be there, they're gonna be there. No, they said they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it. No, they gave me their word, and their word matters. It means something. If we would all begin to do that in every area of our life that we possibly could, um, man, we would, we would impact so many people. People would, people would be surprised. People are shocked by integrity today. Now listen, this is way more than just having good behavior and nice virtues. Why is this so important? Uh, there, it's important for a few reasons. Number one, our, one of our primary jobs, one of our primary calls as a believer, as a Christian, is that we are image bearers of Jesus to the world. We are representatives of Christ to the world as Christians. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to be marked and look different and act different than other nations, than other people, than other societies and groups. That's why God gave the Israelites all these different things. He wanted them to be separate, distinct. He didn't want them to blend in with all these other nations. He wanted them to be sanctified to himself. And so he said, here's how I want you to walk and how I want you to live, according to my nature. And he's given us that same command. We're to go out into the world. We're to be light. We're to be salt. We're to be witnesses, and not, not just in the sense of, well, I'm just going to live a good moral life so that people want to know what, what's different about me. No, not just that. We also need to go out and proclaim the message of the gospel. But if, what we're, if we're out proclaiming the message, and our life contradicts that message, it loses its influence. It loses its power. And so we are image bearers and representatives of Jesus to the world. So we need our behavior to match our beliefs. So this morning we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for us and then um, Pastor Josh is going to, or Derek's going to come and lead us in a song here in a moment. And we'll do that maybe as we pray for the Super Bowl team. Um, one last thing I just wanted to share this morning just uh, before we, we pray and, and close is, um, So we're getting ready to, yeah, take a team down to the Super Bowl uh, this weekend and taking five guys from uh, Journey down there. And uh, I'm going to have a team of 10 guys that that I'm leading, and there's going to be about 90 guys total, 90 people total, down there over the course of the weekend to go out and do evangelism. And uh, it's kind of neat this morning. uh, Had a special guest show up here, uh, which is my former pastor uh, at a church that I got saved in. Uh, about 18 years ago, and uh, he just happened to be in town this morning, had a Sunday off, and showed up, and really surprised me, and, you know, Sunday I was speaking, so that worked out great, and as I was thinking about this, you know, 18 years ago, I was a super lost, drug addict, met these guys, went to their church, had a radical conversion experience, started going out on the streets, with them, they had an amazing uh, outreach ministry of doing different street evangelism events. We went to Nashville probably twenty different times, New York City, different places, and uh, you know, eighteen years ago, that 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 call of evangelism that I got on my life just being around people that were out doing it, and uh, you know, I never would have thought eighteen years later have the opportunity to go to some of the biggest events. In the world to, to take the gospel there. And so, um, yeah, I can't say thank you enough for the investment in my life. And uh, I don't know where I would have been without, without him. Definitely one of the most influential people uh, that God has ever used in my life. And so, you can be that to somebody else. You never know. You never know your impact on somebody else and where it's going to lead. You know, I was a strung out heroin addict, addicted. Kid, came into a church, lost as can be, got saved, found Jesus, had this kind of life modeled in front of me, encouraged and preached and challenged over the years. And have I been perfect? Absolutely not. This is one of those messages where when you get up to preach it, you think, man, I should just sit down. Right? Who, who should be, I mean, these are the kind of messages that you really wrestle with. God, am I even worthy to get up here and talk to anybody about any of this stuff is, is fallen and as sinful and as weak as I've been in my life? You, you start thinking, man, no, and, and here's, the, here's the good news. He's worthy. He's worthy. That doesn't mean our behavior doesn't matter. It does matter. Uh, and so today, as we get ready to close and pray, um, thank you, Pastor Paul, for your investment in my life. And, and I just can't, I'm just grateful that you're here this morning. And what a blessing um, for that. And so today, let's pray. Let's pray. If you want to stand, we can go ahead and stand this morning. In just a moment, Josh is going to come and pray over us. And we'll have the guys that are going on the Super Bowl team head up here in just a second. So, Father, this morning, I thank you. Thank you again for your challenging word, God, that... It gives us a standard to live up to, and at the same time, God, your word tells us we can't live up to it without your help, without your spirit. God, without you, Jesus, and your righteousness in our life, we all fall short. We've all been hypocrites, we've all lived a double life, we've all presented ourselves one way, while inside God, we've been another way, and God. You focus more on the internal life than the external. You tell us to get our heart right. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Help us, Lord God, to have our hearts and our wills conform to you, Lord God. Conform to your word. Help our outward behavior and our outward actions line up with our internal beliefs. God, let us represent you faithfully today. Let us be people of integrity. People of truth and honor. God, help us in our weaknesses and forgive us of our sins. Forgive us, Lord God, of all of our hypocrisy. Forgive us for failing to represent you, Lord Jesus, in in an accurate way, in the way you deserve. Lord, help us today. We need your help. We need your help to live lives of integrity, Lord. We ask your blessing on each and every one of us in Jesus' name.